Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. You best start believing in ghost stories. You're in one. There are no survivors. The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films, and yes, the expanded universe we dabble in history, stress the euphemisms, and strive to have a hell of a good swashbuckler time each and every damn week. It's a show where we break down each and every film in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, blimey minutes at a time, I should say. There we go. I'm Scott Artist from ScottArtist.com. And I'm Heather Artist from BlackPearlShow.com. Thanks for joining us today for the final episode of Season 2. It's like an hallelujah moment. Number 121, episode 121. How long have we been doing this? I don't know, 10, 15 years? (laughs) For this one uh, movie? Probably two years. I think it's two years. We hit the two-year mark. That's not good. No. We're going to bite the apple of Dead Man's Chest. At this point now. Has many references there. I wasn't sure we'd ever make it to the end. But alas. Looks like we made it. Yeah. That's my uh, Barry Manilow. I think this entire episode should be sung to the tune of Barry Manilow songs. You know. In celebration of us ending of course. Yes. No? No. At the Copa. No? No. Unlike that the, is a good song though. Who doesn't want to get down to Copa Cabana? <laughs> Unlike the previous breakdowns. Because, yeah, we're 97 years old. <laughs> right to you. We're... No, it doesn't look, no matter what our profile pictures look like online, we actually look like Barbosa and Curse of the Black Pearl. That's how old we really are. <laughs> and we're still grooving to Copacabana. Ah, Barry Manilow. We, uh, as I was saying, we're covering... Two minutes at a time usually through this season, but we opted to combine the credits into one episode spanning minutes 142 and 151, which besides a few seconds of Barbosa finishing his apple and like an end credit scene, it's entirely comprised of scrolling credits. And so I think given it's the end of the movie, there's no need to tell you that like where we've been kind of like headed for the film. I mean, we ended with Barbosa just biting his apple, so I don't think I need to like do the full breakdown again. Because it's the end. It's the celebration point. We don't really have any Can you break down the whole movie real quick? (laughs) Yeah, I could. (laughs) It's been a long time since we actually started this. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Johnny Depp escapes a Turkish prison. There's crack in action. Barbosa gets an apple. Boom. Really? That's it? You didn't even bring up Davy Jones or the love triangle? (laughs) Who's Davy Jones? The menage triangle? Yeah. I know. Like I said, it's it's been a really long time. I almost forget, like, 
when did we even do some of those episodes? I, I mean, I understand the timeline, but just to think about when we first started the movie, that was a, that was a while ago. It was a long time. Yeah, long time, long time. <laughs> but I don't quite recall if we ever covered a few of the stats of the film. That's how long it's been. I just don't remember. And I'm just going to leave it with a few bullet points as opposed to like getting really deep into it. But I thought I'd bring a few things that, that came up after the movie ended its theater run. So it rounded out with $1.066 billion for its box office take. Wow. Yeah, it's not too shabby for 2006. Not too shabby. Debuted its opening week with just over $135 million. And in its first year of release to DVD... It scored an additional $320 million. Wow. Yeah. That's a pretty hefty sum. A lot of movies don't even get to that in their box office, let alone DVD sales. And that didn't really... What's our Blu-ray sales? Uh, it was... It's hard. This, The site that I use that tracks this stuff is hard to, to break it down. And then if you want more detail, you have to... Pay them? Pay them or get in touch with them. And so it's like, is it really that important to me? And no, no it wasn't to pay for it. So I just used our free stuff. And it doesn't have all the latest updated version uh, or information, too. So it, like it goes after a while and they stop tracking it. Because probably it's just a lo so low that it's not worth reporting on. Mm. And they might just kind of do like where they see the plat it plateaus off. But yeah, it was pretty impressive just within this first year release. It's $320 million. And I know that there was a lot of movie ticket sales and... DVD sales, and those were all great, but those <laughs> savage movie critics, they don't seem to get get the movie, or they don't give it much love. I don't know what it is, because it currently holds a splattered 53% on Rotten Tomatoes, but the more relatable, I think, to most people besides the critics is the audience score that stands at 72%, hmm. so I think that's that's definitely something. Yeah. That's definitely a better reflection, much and like better. we did last... what. Much better. Yeah. And like we did last season, thought I'd highlight some choice critics' thoughts. You know, what did they think of it? Because they're, they're really in touch with the masses. <laughs> you know, when something breaks a billion back, especially back then, which is still holds up today. Those numbers, actually, you could just put those right today and you go, yeah, that sounds about right. So it's not even, it, it's not like antiquated, you know, and I didn't even adjust those for inflation, but that's a pretty good haul for yeah. back then. Especially, I think, since the... You know, compared to a dollar, a COVID dollar now to a, a non-COVID dollar then, I think that that was like, that's like $1 trillion now in today's money. So that's how much inflation is, is taken on. Yeah, you think? In, in the COVID world. It's the zombie apocalypse, of course. But Anthony Lane from The New Yorker, here's here's what he had to say about Dead Man's Chest, a movie that we have now dedicated two years of our lives to, with a smallish break in between. The new plot has all the appeal of a seaweed sandwich, being dark, salty, and indigestible. <laughs> Seriously? Obviously, obviously, these are the, the headlines from their, their critics. I'm not reading like the full breakdown. David Anson from Newsweek, the result is an overproduced movie that tries so strenuously hard to be fun that it's a chore to sit through. For all its razzle-dazzle production values, the story itself feels cluttered, hard to follow, and hard to care about. Huh. Yeah. And... Wow. Here's another one. The second film is pretty much all thrills, special effects, and nonstop action, but with virtually no cohesive or compelling storyline. And I thought, 
did these guys even watch the same movie that we like painstakingly discussed <laughs> over the last two years? I mean, there's so much intricacy with the characters, the film. I mean, the messaging. It's breakout special effects that changed an industry, for God's sakes. Yet, these guys, it's like they wanted something to complain about for a pirate movie. I think they're just looking for headlines as opposed to really being honest with themselves. I mean, okay, I'm going to admit that some things like the 20-minute the venture on Pelagosto, that could be a little excessive. But... But in general, what are they watching with the plot and the storyline? There's like these huge character arcs. Elizabeth kills Jack, if you want to say that. It's crazy. I don't know. That's just my thoughts. It's actually box office, the number one movie in 2006. Oh, I should have brought that. Then Cars and X-Men. Ah, X-Men. I don't know. What do we got to like wrap things up for this movie? I mean, I pulled a couple things out of the credits that I thought were interesting. And I probably shouldn't spend... Well, maybe I should have spent more time scrutinizing things in the credits. Kind of took the, I can't believe we're done. And I just broke out the the lounge chair and started kicking back. <laughs> it's like, oh, should I actually prepare for this thing? But the first thing that really jumped out to me is this. There was a credit for Milner's or Milliner's. And so it's a person. Milliner's. Who, yeah, it's a person who designs, manufactures, and sells hats and headwear. Okay. And so... Obviously, there's a lot of hats, so I guess you need a few designers and hat makers for the for the movie. But I thought that was an interesting thing. It's not something I see too much in credits that that I noticed, anyways. No, yeah. I mean, the oft forgotten milliners. <laughs> how often do you search uh... for hat makers in credits? Every <laughs> damn movie, every movie, there's a hat. I look for it. I'm like, who did the, oh, who did the hat? I kind of went with um, odd titles. Odd titles. Yeah. Okay. Or names or whatever they were called. You that's know? good because I didn't do any of that. Like, like short I said, sailor? I was short sailor? Short sailor. So so is he a short seller or a short sailor? Short sailor. Okay, short sailor. Yeah. he was. His name is Nej Adamson. Ned. Nej. N-E-G. G-J. N-E-J. Sorry. Um, He's most known for Dead Man's Chest, American Assassin... And Carry On Columbus. Carry On Columbus. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't look into it. I just let it be. <laughs> Probably best. <laughs> he was also um, Ollie Oskin in the BBC soap opera East Enders from, uh, from 1995 to 89. 1995. I'm sorry, 1985, go back in time. 85 <laughs> to 89. He went back in time there. So yes, our short sailor. By the way, I could not find the height. Of our short sailor. I searched and searched and searched to find how tall this dude was because I really wanted to know how short he was to call him short sailor. Well, they're more of descriptive terms. Yeah. So if he's sitting there with the crew and they're like, no, you're the short sailor, and he's all, damn that. Right? I've been the short guy all my life. Bastards. And then he has to be called <laughs> short sailor, immortalized in, a, in the movie Dead Man's Chest. Exactly. But his height was nowhere on the internet. Nowhere. I can imagine. I mean, that's It was pretty... just blanked out everywhere. It's like, no, we don't have well, his height. I mean, it's not like he's uh, an A-lister guy that they have all the stats on him. This guy's... He was in the soap opera for four years. Five years. Four years. Okay. And? I don't know. <laughs> what do you want me to do with that information? That doesn't know. make him an A-lister where they have all the stats on him. You should have tweeted at him. Like, uh... uh how tall are you, dude? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, the Sunbird Sailor, 
Maury Treadwell was actually mm. a. Did we talk about him? I don't know. Maury, the name sounds familiar. The sunburn. Why would you talk about a sunburned sailor? I, I don't know. Did we go? I'm trying to remember. It's been years, obviously. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Anyway, he was also on, also on EastEnders, the soap opera, mm-hmm. in 1985 as Tom. Not Tom the Tall? Not Tom Sunburn? No, just Tom. Okay. Did you know that Captain Jack Sparrow's not the official captain of the Black Pearl? That Barbosa's belongs- the official captain? No. No. There's an actual, in the credit, it's Cap- Captain of the Black Pearl. It be- Michael Watkins, it's officially credited as Black Pearl Captain in the credits. Oh, but that's the guy who's actually sailing the Black Pearl. Hey, Jack's not the captain. <laughs> the There's a whole captain. crew there, too. The captain is right there. There was a whole crew. Captain Jack is just, he's a faux captain. Well. What in the hell is going on here? What did I just watch? If he's not captaining that ship. I have no clue. I also saw this cool thing. It's the Choir of the King's Consort. Did you see that? Yes. But did you get anything I didn't, from that? No, I didn't. I pulled other stuff. I mean, I needed to, to know more about that. I mean, that just sounded so prim and proper. It was like uh, Governor Swan, kind of Weatherby Swan action there. You know, choir the king's consort. Which it turns out it's a prominent British period music orchestra that was founded in 1980 by the English conductor and harpsichordist <laughs> Robert King. Which Why are you laughing? Because it's so strange. It's It's like... It's like my brother, because I am also a famous harpsichordist, and this is the other one that I've come around. This is like the first time really? I've had somebody else be called a famous harpsichordist really? besides me. <laughs> and so when I saw that, I'm like, oh my God, he's the famous harpsichordist across the pond. It's like my UK twin, if you will. <laughs> what? I'm well known in the harpsichordist yeah. community. <laughs> it's like that facebook ad that i've seen recently on the quarantine circuit of they're talking about their facebook groups and they have this kazoo group and they have all these people oh, playing yeah. kazoo and it's like me i'm sitting there and all of a sudden i reach into my giant 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 duffel bag and pull out the harpsichord and i start playing it's kind of like a adam's family lurch thing going on yeah yes so there you go <laughs> me the harpsichordist. In the basement. <laughs> well, it's okay. I'm in the basement. The King's Consort Choir appears on the soundtracks of several films, actually, including The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Kingdom of Heaven, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, and The Da Vinci Code. Really? Yeah. Wow. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I'm just more concerned at this point about me playing the harpsichord for everybody. I'm thinking, like, if I do a 10 or 12, maybe 15 minute rendition of of some stuff that people would would really enjoy that but i thought it was funny that the credits include this sentence here that pirates of the caribbean dead man's chest is available on all video game handheld platforms seems a bit dated to me so which is true because it is an older movie but it's available on all video game handheld platforms that's actually what it says yeah i've seen that so i looked up the credits to dead man tell no tales to see if it has something to that effect. And doesn't appear that there is anything in the credits. But in At World's End, it's updated to say At World's End is available on all major video game platforms. So oh, they, they get rid of okay. the handheld thing. So it seems definitely dated. And it's it's like weird that you would advertise that it's available on all those platforms in your credits. It's like somebody sitting through that going, oh, oh my God. 
I got my Game Boy here, or whatever the hell was available in 2006. I wonder Game Boy if, even around in 2006? I'm wondering if the 8-bit pixelated thing, how is that rendered on the thing? And so I'd love to have Dead Man's Chest on my tiny, tiny miniature screen. <laughs> so, actually, I don't know what the hell was. Isn't it a game? It's a game. I don't know what it is. I it's think a game. It's a, why would they say... At World's not End. the movie. Why would they say At World's End? Why would they say not say At World's End game is available? Because I think that was the on onset of watching movies on platforms. No, you couldn't watch movies on Game Boy. Well, not, obviously not the Game Boy. Okay, you're going to have to leave the studio here. The Game Boy. And I'm not talking the new improved Game Boy. I'm talking about the 80s Game Boy or 90s, whatever the hell here that was. It has those big box pixelation things. Anyways... I just thought it was odd that that's where you would stick that. Now, it's just understood, I think, that's why it's not in Dead Men Tell No Tales. Because, of course, it's going to be on all devices. It's on your phone. It's on Xbox, PlayStation. It's everywhere. Because if it's not, then what the hell are you doing, Disney? They had but to be is. talking about the video, the game. Are you sure? Yeah, there's an Outworlds End game. So but has, why didn't they, they had say to be talking game, about the game. Though. Why would they not say game? I don't know. They just say it's there. Because they weren't showing movies on... On handheld... I don't know what they were doing. ...game systems at that time. In 2006? Yeah, no. I need some more bandwidth here, stat! Yeah, they weren't... Sh- no, it's a video game. So they were talking about the video, <laughs> video game, game, not the freaking movie. <laughs> it's ridiculous I have to bring this up to you, and you can figure this out yourself. <laughs> they said the movie. No, they weren't talking I'm about s- the movie! That's literally what they was in the credits. They were talking about the game. They were advertising the game on the movie. Why advertise the game there? Just I guess you just throw it in there. Like, what else could we put here? I mean, we've already got the kitchen sink and the credits. What else do we need? We could say something about the game is available on all handheld platforms. By George, I think you got it. <laughs> then cue the King's Console you, Choir. You really oh, think they needed to explain that? Obviously, I didn't get it. That's because you're living in a world where you can get movies anywhere. That's true. Maybe I needed... You're right. I needed to... Put myself it, back into 2006 yeah. to say, oh, they're talking about the game. Not like, well, of course there's movies on all platforms these yeah, days. Yeah, you can't. No, 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 no. Oh, well, that's strange. Goodness. So there's a large sailor. Oh, you still had more sailors? I got more sailors. Then why didn't you jump in? Because you interrupted. His name is Jizz... Uh, Jiz- <laughs> oh! <laughs> Walk the plank, the Jizz Sailor. <laughs> <laughs> That's, wow. a, that's a mix of his first and last name, by the Jesus. way. This Jimmy Rouse. Actually, a PG 13 show. And then you take it down that road when I was being serious. How dare you, woman? His <laughs> name is G- Jimmy Rousenis. Rousenis. Sorry, Jimmy. Uh, He'll he's, never come on the show now. He's, known, <laughs> he's actually a pipeline tech, and the world is not enough. I think I know what it is. Yeah. I know the scene. I don't know him. Oh, okay. In large sailor and dead man's chest. Hmm. What other sailors? I have you a got? very old man. A very old man at was the that time. In the, was that he in the signing up to be somebody probably in the in the bar, the pub, and they're trying to recruit people? Maybe. Okay. I don't know. Um, very old man is Derek O'Connor, or was Derek O'Connor? Derek O'Connor has since passed. In 2018. That's not shocking, being that he was the very old sailor, very old man in the movie. At the time, 
Derek O'Connor was only 65. Oh, that sucks for him. So yeah, he but, was a very old man at 65. Yeah, but in the day, he would have been a very old man probably to some extent. He would have been looked on as an old man. At 65? In the 1700s. At oh, the time yeah, the yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. If you put it there. I mean, it's people still lived. I mean, that's part of the misconception about lifespans and things like that of the day because there were so many childbirths that ended in death or children that died early on is that it skews data and yeah. that's why you have to look at it in certain ways otherwise it looks like the average life expectancy was 35 well it's 35 if you account for all this but once you get to certain ages or if you pass the age of 10 your life then expectancy could be much higher than that so it's a lot of dynamics and um, stuff that go into that there you go yeah so he actually had quite a few things under his belt he was uh like me and at the very old age of 65 <laughs> he's done a lot since he was then. a member of the royal shakespeare company another thing i have in common with somebody in this film anyway he was the robber leader in time bandits Oh, really? Yes. Time Bandit's a Time, great one. Yeah, I figured you'd I I pulled like that, that out because I knew you'd know that. Movie. I do like Time Bandits. Yeah. He was Father Everett in Daredevil. Father Everett. I don't remember that one. But my favorite. I mean, I remember the movie. I don't remember the character. My favorite character title for him is Flying Hogfish, peasant in Jab- Jabberwocky. Hmm. Flying Hogfish Peasant. Flying Hogfish. See, I don't, I don't know if I've seen that production. No. I also have I'm a skinny familiar man. With it, but I don't know. A lot of just uh, going off of what people look like. Profiling. <laughs> How dare you, Disney? Profiling. Skinny man is Georges Trelot. Kind of like Matelot. He's an actor and director known for Dead Man's Chest. He directed Generation Oxygen in 1991. Hmm. I think it's more independent. It kind of looks sure like that. I'm sure it is. And he's got television credits, including um, two two doors, two doors in two thousand seven. Tutors or Tudor, two doors? Tutors. Two doors is completely different <laughs> than the tutors. Are we talking like T U D O R S? Yeah. Then and you said two doors. Doors. <laughs> like which door do you choose? He was in two doors. Door. Two doors from two thousand seven to two thousand ten. <laughs> Whatever couple other ones I pulled out of here. Okay, hit me you. with all your pulling out ones. Torch Native? Torch Native, yeah. He's the guy running with the was torch. Jonathan Limbo. Uh-huh. Um, he's known for the Guild 2011 hmm. convention attendee and the Dead Man's Chest. Hmm. And he's going to join us at um in Atrolden as pirate. Pirate. Okay. Pirate. He's no longer a Torch native. He's now a pirate. Oh, that's interesting. They must have pulled him off yeah. the island. Well, they saw him do such a fine and handy job with the, the torch. They thought he could definitely wield a sword or be a pirate. Exactly. Okay, that's all my titles I pulled out of that's... there. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're you're doing titles and coming up with two doors and stuff like that. <laughs> Shut up. I did end up on this weird deep dive, which is for those who have li- been listening, realize that I sometimes go down these rabbit holes. I was trying to hunt down a new Disney film and that hadn't really been announced yet. It's because the credits throughout this thing, and I talked about this in see, at the end of season one, it was this 
It's it's called Second Mate Productions as the company that created the film. It's listed in the credits here. It says Second Mate Productions, okay? Yeah. And I remember talking about this during the credits in episode or season one of Curse of the Black Pearl because that film was created by First Mate Productions. So do you see a pattern here? Yeah. So the next one's going to be Third Mate Productions? Well, no, you're wrong. But really? <laughs> so it's close. So with Dead Man's Chest, Second Mate Productions is kind of like the corporation that was created to manage the finances, okay? It basically, when a production company makes this movie or makes a movie, they often set up a company for that film. Or in this case, it was Second Mate Productions. And... Second Mate Productions actually handled both Dead Man's Chest and At World's End since they were filmed kind of back to back, right? Oh, yes, right? okay. So that one took on both films. And as you know, the assets at Disney itself are like incredible. It's just like for movies, it can include scripts, sets, buildings, and profits from past films. Yes. The only assets that Second Mate, for instance, productions would have uh, would be like production budgets for the films and stuff, Okay. So this helps limit like liability to the parent company or any parent companies and helps simplify accounting or as often you hear in the news, kind of makes accounting more difficult to track if there are actual profits and not just a stream of losses. It's all these kind of weird things, right? And even have certain contracts that these other like production companies or these companies that they set up could have these contracts for crew versus one large Disney Studios thing that can go out. So it's like, no, we only have a budget for this. So it's for this movie as opposed to everybody falling in line under one giant Disney studio contract. Right. uh, With their billions and billions. Okay. So for both Dead Man's Chest and At World's End, the company was created in 2004 and they actually issued a thousand shares of stock for this company. And it's still operating. So... I mean, my sketchy sources, and this is this is where, like I said, deep diving here. My sketchy sources estimate the annual income to, as of now, as of like 2019, I think that was the data, is $2.5 million for Second Mate Productions. Okay. For a set of movies that are 14 years old, practically. Seriously? Yeah. So they're just, they're somehow revenue is collecting whether they have it as rights or dvd sales Uh, or those kinds of things that may be funneling through this company but here's where the rabbit hole entered the picture i went back to look at curse of the black pearls first mate productions which was created in 2002 and they actually dissolved that one in 2009 so maybe they they all went to second maybe maybe that's the case but interestingly enough the corporate docs authorized 10,000 shares of stock that could be issued i don't know if they actually issued them but they said that's what they could issue for that and then I wondered, well, hell, if there's a first and second mate, as I was saying, productions, kind of where you were going, I'm like, what the hell else out there could be? Turns out there's a third mate productions, a fourth mate productions, a fifth mate productions that have all been set up and established between 2004 and 2012. Seriously? Yes. Wow. And when you dig deeper, you realize that many of these companies start off with these other series of companies that have different names. So it's this... Huge spider web of keeping things hidden so you don't know what movies are coming out, okay? That they have these different names that are ultimately changed once a picture is announced or just before release. So, for example, in 2009, Fourth Mate Productions was originally named New Sub 27 Productions, okay? Yeah. Then the name was changed later to Fourth Mate Productions as it stands now. Huh. 
So that hides the names of any upcoming movies. So you can't really link to what the hell it goes. And these are all funneled often through like Burbank down by the studio. Okay. So if you saw fourth mate productions, you would know a fifth pirates movie was coming out. Right. Or yeah. on its way. But by calling it new sub 27 productions, you can't freaking decipher what the hell that's going to be used for because it's just because there's no way to link that, right? Yeah. So, however, I mean, it's it's like interesting that Disney had planned for the sixth Pirates movie since it had already created Fifth Mate Productions in 2012. Really? It already set that up. Huh. And it gets more difficult to find things once the name has changed because of the corporate search documents and how to actually look for that stuff. But as of April 2020, and this is April 2020, and this is just like yesterday kind of stuff practically, right? Disney go, but okay. This is the latest information, okay? Disney incorporated three new production companies on January 29th, 2020, named New Sub 114, New Sub 115, and New Sub 116 Productions. Ooh, very interesting. So they have, under this New Sub name, have incorporated 116 different companies for all their films. Huh. And so these are all representative of different films that have not been changed to what the current thing is going to be yet. It's just kind of like, here's the thing. It's 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 like, here's the placeholder. And then we'll update it once the movie kind of comes around. Yeah. And at some point, these companies have to amend their name to whatever film they're currently tied to. And so that means there's hundreds of these more shadow companies, if you want to call them that. Not, I mean, not that they're hidden or not that they're nefarious, are they? As I look to our ceiling in the studio to see that spy camera Disney put in there. But they operate behind the scenes on all these movies. And it's such like a crazy process. Maybe a bit boring for everybody. I mean, I hope it wasn't boring. It's kind of weird and interesting. But it's like trying to like decipher movie accounting and bookkeeping procedures and stuff like that behind the scenes. I don't know. I mean, that's just not necessarily always interesting. But I thought this is kind of crazy that there's A, so many of these and that they keep putting these fifth mate productions up. So you know that they at least plan for a sixth movie, whether that comes to fruition now based on box office is a different story of the last film, Dead Men Tell No Tales, but they at least thought about it back into 2012. Or maybe they it becomes a, a Disney Plus show or whatever that's going to run yeah. it. It's just interesting. I mean, it does make me want to sleuth out like what's happening and maybe I can at least track Pirates of the Caribbean movies periodically by going and checking on corporate documents. But I didn't see a six mate production. So um, I guess they're not thinking fully far ahead yet for a seventh movie. Uh, unless it's named New Sub or something like that and they haven't changed it yeah. yet. But what was also interesting is that they do this for... There's Marvel stuff out there. They have Asgard productions for Marvel things. They have all these different semi-related names that, that correspond to movies that are out there. It, it's pretty insane. I just kind thought it was... Yeah, it is yeah. interesting. To, it's like movie... The sausage making of movie making, if you want to call it that. I don't know. I don't, there you go. So that, that's what I... That was like where... I was looking at that. I looked at the credits and then all of a sudden I got on that tangent. And then while sipping rum from a straw because I was in a lounge chair and I could, didn't want to actually move my arms. I just wanted to tilt my head to get to the straw. I was what? Just, it was one of those bindi straws, right? Exactly. Bindi. There's like six of them together because the cup was pretty far away. Oh, but, okay. But I was able to just, yeah, I got some rum through that. 
So that that's my my credit breakdown then of diving into that that's kind it? of stuff. Yeah, that's my credits. Do you have more credits? I do. Oh well, then go because I got I got other stuff, but it's not necessarily uh, credits. It's more like in credits and just other general stuff. Since this is kind of our last episode, I was kind of picking through, you know, job description. Well, not job titles. Like milliner. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I found facial hair pre piece creator. I saw that. I found that kind of interesting. <laughs> you just have somebody, you don't have just a hair piece. This is actually fa- facial hair. Yeah, it's weird because I looked at some of those people and I figured, I know you said that you were looking into some of that stuff, so I didn't go into it. But what's weird is the in credits of the movie don't always jive with what's like officially listed on IMDb. So on IMDb, you won't find facial hair dude creator. What you find is like makeup artist oh, or hair okay. makeup. So so it's like almost the the on on the credits are so specific. Like this guy was he put one hair on Johnny Depp's beard. <laughs> Whereas then in the thing on IMDB where the world mostly sees or looks that stuff up, the guy who's actually the who did that is like Oh, I don't want to be listed as facial hair dude. I'm a makeup artist. So he like maybe changes oh, the thing okay. or he can edit it or they, yeah. he petitions to have him edit it or, or whatever. But yeah, it doesn't show up always. And that's why there's like a breakdown of trying to find IMDB links to some of the people than the actual credits because they don't always quite jive. Okay. Yeah. Makes but sense. I don't blame them. I, why would I want on my resume? Facial hair priest creator? You're like going in for the makeup artist. And they're like, oh, can I see your... No, you said you were a makeup artist. It says here you created some facial hair. <laughs> Come on. Half the population creates facial hair. They just got to shave it. <laughs> it's not a big deal, dude. <laughs> you know, so it diminishes his his job in the film. So you're saying Mr. John Blake here... Yeah. ...is actually a makeup artist. I'm Probably. saying that's what he... Okay, I'm saying that's what he wants us to believe, but we all know the truth <laughs> that he was a facial hair creator and he's just... Like a lot of people do, expands on their, exaggerates on their resume. IMDb is his exaggeration of the resume of makeup artist when uh, I uh, pasted a hair or so on Johnny Depp <laughs> or Barbosa at the end. But John, you're always welcome if you were to reach out to us and be on the show. <laughs> Maybe we could correct this issue. Because the movie... Johnny probably had his own person doing his own facial hair. I'm sure he did. I mean, he had his like own sound assistant. technician. Yeah, it's interesting. He had his own sound technician. He needed a special sound technician Because for everybody him? comes up and then they're like, oh, hey, Mr. Depp, it's so good. Can you sign this and sign an autograph? So he finally like, I got to get, I want my own crew so I don't have to talk to anybody and give them <laughs> autographs every time. You know? You think that's it? I'm pretty damn sure that's it. <laughs> Or he gets used to, you know, he doesn't want a bunch of people fumbling on his face. So he's like, I need my own crew. You know, this guy makes me sound better than I the other guy. So I want that guy. I didn't grab it, but his dentist was actually listed. Oh, because they do the teeth. Yeah. Well, if you So he had his own, you know, his own dentist. You know, his own dentist went in and put the caps and uh, makes the gold sense. caps and stuff. So he had his own dentist You don't want some in there. schlub coming off the street that says they're a movie well, dentist. that's true. Probably wants somebody your own dentist. Crentist is his dentist, probably. The armorer had actually did work on G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra, mm. Transformers. Man, these are all songs I want to belt out singing. 
Transformers, Transformers <laughs> more than meets the eye, you know? Transformers more than meets the eye? I think you got two different songs going on there, buddy. I have to, <laughs> I have to put them together. It's Smoke and Aces. You know that movie? Smoke and Aces? I don't know it. Yeah. What do you mean Transformers more than meets the eye? Isn't that the, how the song goes? Transformers more than meets the eye. Isn't that G.I. Joe? And, no. Oh, okay. You're right. Was what a G.I. Joe song. G.I. Joe. I want to say greatest Amer- American. Greatest American hero. No, no. all American <laughs> heroes. G.I. Joe. I don't know. I guess I'm. I'm I gotta. I gotta ponder my '80s cartoons for a minute. Think about those songs. Yes. Uh, creature development supervisor. Oh, I saw that one. His yeah. name is James Tooley. Okay, he's best known for Iron Man, mm. Dead Man's Chest, Curse of the Black Pearl, Rogue One. He's actually won VES award for in 2007 for his outstanding performance in an animated character in a live action motion picture for Davy Jones. What in the hell kind of award title is that? That was the world's right? longest award title. Right. Get your Chinese food at Chinese food from Visalia, California, <laughs> USA.com as we saw when we were in Central California that time. <laughs> and he was also nominated for five other of the VES awards. Are you are we sure that those were five different ones or were they all part of the same title and it was just really long so it makes it look no, like No, it was five. it was five different ones and a couple of them were for pirates and then you had other movies in hmm. there too. So, yeah. And one last one, I have Greensman. I was going, what is a Greensman? What do you think a Greensman is? Uh somebody on a golf course that takes care of the lawns. Okay. Yeah. He basically takes care of anything green or natural. Yes. Another score Used for Used in Scott. film production. Not only plants, grass, flowers, and trees, but also rocks, gravel, and sand. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of work on Pelagos- Pelagostos. Rocks, gravel, and sand is incorporated in that. Yeah. Everything. Huh. Basically landscaping. Yeah. There were 78 hmm. doubles, stunt doubles. Well, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. I actually physically counted all of them. Huh. 78 stunt doubles. That's that is a lot. Uh huh. Because I'm trying That's to think of why can't they just ha- have some of these people doing the acting as well, do their own stunts. Right. Seems like maybe you could double up on that effort there and save some budget money. It's like <laughs> you, you don't really have to say much, but we need you to do stuff. So can we dress you like a pirate? How about you just be on film? Right. And then boom, yeah. he does the own yeah. stunts. I don't know. How about a second, second assistant director? Second, second assistant director. What? Yeah. They work the bat that with... Sounds, that's it's one of those things that's like, we can't give you a raise, but I can give you a title. Right. You're the assistant to, to the, the regional, regional manager. manager. <laughs> they work the ba- with background actors and supervise production assistants and sometimes wrangle talent. <laughs> They're just wrangling people they on the street. Wrangle. <laughs> They're out there and... In the Caribbean, just wrangling people up. No, you're going to be in the movie, damn it. <laughs> That's pretty much all I have, except I was kind of, had a little bit on accountants, and then it went on to other accountants, and because there's accountants. Accountants. You have accountants, and then you have accountants later on, but the number of accountants is crazy. A production, first assistant, construction, SPFX, post-production, second assistant, payroll, SAG payroll, assistant payroll. It's like I got to get myself just on some of these. <laughs> right? Like, Become an accountant for a movie. Or just 
it, it seems like there's so many people there. It's, it's just like it's crazy keeping track of all that. Yeah. Somehow I should just slide myself in and get a paycheck for doing nothing. There you go. Maybe they can announce that the Black Pearl Shoal. I can't even say Shoal? it. Shoal. Yeah, it's the Shoal. Shoal. We're like a bunch of fish. Uh, the Black Pearl Show is available on all video game handheld platforms. Maybe we can get that on the next credit for something. Yes. But if anyone hasn't sat through the entire Dead Man's Chest credits, a shame on you. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Do it. You're used to seeing credits now. Everybody waits for the after credits. So just shame on you. If Not you everybody waits for the after. Well, some people don't, and some people are missing good stuff. We've seen that. They just walk right yeah. out. And you're like, do you not understand the what a Marvel movie is? You yeah. Because <laughs> this is literally opening day, so I don't think that you've actually seen this movie before. And you got up. What half, are you doing? Half the theater leaves. Are you kidding? This is your first Marvel movie ever because you thought you'd want to be a part of something big to say you were there, and then you get up and leave. How dare you? And then you, but that's the fun part is you watch and look at everybody around there is like looking like, do these people know that there's, what are they doing? Yeah. Unless they just realize, you know, I can look that up on the after yeah. credits app. And uh, some of those people don't. <laughs> well, that's some of those some people of are walking out just that, I don't know. Well, they're clueless and then, it's yeah, okay. I wasn't going to say clueless. But I yeah, will say yeah. it. But I thought if you, you know, you finally did sit through the credits, then... You realize, after I was just saying how much time we spent on Pelagostos, that we actually go back to the island just in time to see the people there, the chief, the new dog is the end credit scene. You know, all the the dancing, the hoopla, they're kind of, they got their new uh, Jack Sparrow, and then they made me their chief, but it's in the form of the prison dog. So, which by the way may be a travesty, since I don't think I saw the dog listed in the credits. Did you see the dog listed in the credits? Because if no, not, how dare you, him. Verbinski? How dare you not put the dog in the credits there? But I love this tongue-in-cheek kind of topper on the film here. My question, are they planning to eat the dog, though? That's what I was saying. I sure hope the same fate wasn't isn't made Intended for the dog. For the dog. Yeah. I mean, hey, there's no dog eating here. No. Not in this film. Black Pearl Show does not condone or endorse eating dog. Not at all. Yeah, we're anti-dog eating. That's now, just the worship, way it is. worshiping your dog, yes. That's true. It's like yes. that far side, far side cartoon or some cartoon that I saw where the aliens land and they see these people all walking their dogs and cleaning them up after them. And they go, obviously, the dogs are the ones in charge yeah. here. But the idea is that this tribe is really hard up for eating their chiefs here, okay? And it's like anything that wanders into the island is game to be their chief. It's like they're just looking for some kind of an excuse here to eat something. Because I don't know what it is. It's like there should be boundaries, cannibals. Boundaries. They're cannibals, so they probably don't eat dog. What good are cannibals if they don't have boundaries, though? That's my yeah, point. That's true. If they're making the dog their chief, they're just eating anything out there. Damn it, guys. But, okay, the, the dog does get away. We'll just say that. We don't want to get into it now, but that is what. So they don't eat the dog. No, like Jack Shoo. Sparrow, he gets away. Oh, good. So we don't have to worry about the dog being eaten. But that's the thing. There was, they clearly are just like, well, we can't put one of our own up here. And looks like Pintel and Rigetti got away too. So, okay, the dog is it. He's We got him a bone. But I thought that that was kind of just a nice tongue-in-cheek end credit. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it says about bumbling cannibals making dogs their chief. Maybe that's a little... uh little harsh, but there was a new dog playing prison dog in Dead Man's Chest in At World's End. Same dog? Chopper. No, this is the new one. A new dog? Chopper, yeah. They had to do... I 
I mean, we I think we may have talked a little bit about that in the beginning, but they had to do, you know, they had to do some makeup effects and colors and stuff to try, you know, to get them to match the original oh. dog and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't really have much on the end credit scene. I thought I would no, just do that. That was it. But uh, what did you think? I think of the. Maybe I should rephrase that since that was just a bumbling word salad there. What did you think of the movie in general, though? I mean, having cuddled it for years, do you like it more or less than when we started? I'd have to say I probably like the movie more now Mm. after going through it step by step and actually taking a look at the whole movie and seeing all the detail, Mm. you know? Yeah. What about you? I almost like it better than when we started, I think. Like anything. I mean, I have ideas that can improve it. We've all heard some of those here. of course. Nothing like armchair quarterbacking a movie from 2006. I mean, (laughs) that's pretty much what I do best. But I think it holds up great. I mean, the effects are top-notch. Cast is perfecto, of course. Even with the 78 stunt people. Kind of blows my mind. I thought those actors were really doing some of those stunts. But they could have cut some minutes out of Pelagosto to expand on Jack's backstory. Making more sense of the voodoo vigil death thing. I think, and I mentioned that on yeah. the previous show, I think they could have done something like that. Or give the hermit crab head thing a 10 spot. You know, give that give that guy a $20 bill and special effects to improve the CG on that scene just a bit. Because that one didn't hold up. But in general, I think it's a solid swashbuckler. It delivers just what you want in the Curse of the Black Pearl movie establishment. Because that's what it did. It established, the first film established kind of this pirate fantasy film. Yeah. And I think that delivers here. With this particular one. I mean, I'm excited to see what see what I think of At World's End after we break that movie down. Because that one has always been a little bit... Off? I think there's some stuff about it that I don't know. Or did it... I, I've always wondered, did it go too far down the Rabbit fantasy hole? realm? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that, that way I'll, I'll be interested to see what I think more about it as we go yeah. along. But, I mean, I can set my initial thoughts on that movie when we start season three. But I, if I remember like specific feelings about the crew getting witty Jack back from At World's End, it was like that was a little weird at first. And I think I've come to to appreciate it more after watching it. But with this particular one, this Dead Man's Chest, I definitely think that I see it in a more appreciative fashion now than I did when I first watched it or have watched it since. Because it's like taking your time with the characters and watching some of the character arcs, you're like, oh that really works or that's pretty crazy. She look how she feels bad and really talking about the feelings, how all that connects back with will all these different layers of this love triangle, but is it really a love triangle or is it perceived love triangle from will? But it's just so much to unpack. And that's why I think that film critics whose job is their day jobs to, to analyze films and talk about this stuff when they say that there's stuff that doesn't work, not, like related to say CG or specific points, but when they give an overall impression that there's a problem with a film like this, then I wonder what the hell they were watching because there was a lot of intricate details and and back and forth. Jack rowing away, but deciding maybe he should go back or not. It's all these things that that happen uh, that make the character more expansive. And then I really wonder if they had expanded on his backstory in this particular film a little bit to give more context to, for instance, again, the voodoo vigil thing of why all those people were lined up. If there was a slave connection there or slavery that he freed those and he actually has this better persona, would that have changed some of these critics mind to add even more depth? 
not depth, but depth. <laughs> um, but I also think that there's some interesting stuff that's happening with Jack on that point. I mean, if you give too much backstory, then maybe that ruins some of the mystery of the character. Like, is he, because it's a constant play. Is he good? Is he bad? Is he, yeah. does he care about people? Does he only care about himself and the freedom and stuff? And so, so there's a balance between too much and not enough. And then in some cases you have scenes that you left in that maybe could have helped or been helped from such a, an event, especially because this was a long movie. Then you're hitting it up with an even longer movie coming up next that people had to wait. It's like this giant bonanza that um, maybe should have been addressed more. But we, like I said, we can start to tackle that stuff in season three and see what happens with yep. that. So that's my... That's my kind of breakdown of Dead Man's Chest at the very end and after walking through it. And we'll decide how we're going to, to you know, do credits in the future and stuff like that. But I think part of our goal was like, oh, my God, it's been two years. Let's finally just yeah. wrap this up and we can start fresh and get things going. And because, uh, like I said, it's when you've recorded stuff and talked about stuff two years ago, trying to remember exactly all the theories or the crazy things that I said do they make sense and revisit can be daunting uh, trying to keep up with that. So I think that overall, I think this is a really good movie, a really good pirate zone. It doesn't still beat curse of the black pearl for me, but I think it comes in a solid second for me still um, of what I like about it in this particular one. That for me, I think is probably still up there. Yeah. And if you can't hear, we really are in the Tiki room. We're recording at an odd time and our birds are really trying to add to the ambiance, which somehow I got to figure out for season three how to solve that. Because you may not hear it, but I tell you, when I'm re- editing a podcast, it drives me insane. <laughs> there you go. The Tiki Room makes me insane. We'll just say it right now. Oh, At the I tiki, love tiki, the Tiki, tiki Room. Years into the future, pirates will prevail. Finally, we've conquered death. All our worries gone. Every night our souls will rest Till the break of dawn And the ship sails on Back into beyond Over again When I sing the song to my home Until the end Centuries across the sea Is not enough for me All I want is to be free And hail Captain Blood On and on eternally With life of piracy Hail the curse of Gilmecki And hail Captain Blood As I was just mentioning, speaking of At World's End, we're headed into Season 3. I mentioned that uh, we could be looking at a relatively seamless transition to the new season without this long hiatus. And we already did that mid-Season 2, as everybody noticed, break, that uh, significant break. But we do have a number of things to prep and finish regarding logistics for the next season. And a few things I can mention now that are locked in. And then some of them I won't mention now because they're not fully locked and I'll just leave that out for now. But I've gotten into trouble in the past for promising too early, so I'm not going to do that this time. But we're retiring Pirate Word of the Week. Last week was the end of Pirate Word of the Week and we're going to be bringing back Really Bad Eggs, that uh, segment that we do where we highlighted our favorite lines from a particular segment. So that's coming back. I'm also hoping we get news on the new Pirates of the Caribbean film or perhaps an episodic show on Disney+, Plus. but who knows what's going to be happening right now with everything going down that would be uh i think fun to discuss a disney plus pirate show on an episode by episode basis that we would interject into that and then to fit our schedules and ensure consistency because that's the main thing that really just bugs me is that we can't seem to you know we've bounced over quite a bit especially during season two i mean it only took us 
three years to figure that out if you combine uh, since 2017 when we first started the podcast, really. We're going to be dropping new episodes on a bi-weekly schedule, actually, now. Like I said, that balances our love for Talking Pirates of the Caribbean, but allows us the time for my increasing, say, nonprofit work and our work and new project-related stuff that comes out for uh, you know Urban Bird Foundation and things like that that I work on. And of course, I'll be keeping all of you posted on what happens and how that's going to actually work. But yeah, it's a bummer on one aspect, but the good news is we really thought hard about it. It wasn't something we were just like, yeah, we can do this. The whole idea was to be honest with ourselves and be honest about things. And we wanted to take the show and all the loyal listeners with us without getting into a situation where we really couldn't keep the schedule. That's what happened last time. And it was a struggle even in season one when we were doing a daily thing. That was just brutal. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, the whole point would be that we'd have to take a long time off and just do a bunch of pre-recordings and then drop those and that's not really our style because we like to try and see what's new on the latest stuff out there those kinds of things but it's amazing how much the show's become a part of our lives and we do end up missing it when we drop off for a while and so the, the whole idea is to actually be honest be able to make sure we bring that same kind of fast-paced enthusiasm uh, to each and every show and I think the bi-weekly schedule will help us with that and so like I said we're going to keep you just post it on what that looks like and stuff and so we do thank everybody for listening please do share the show it's a labor of love for us not uh we're not doing anything other than that it's uh you know something that we love to talk about and share with everybody and we can definitely entertain and you and we hope that we can continue to to entertain everybody with our stuff out there Uh, talking pirates of the caribbean year after year when not much pirates of the caribbean new stuff is out there so it kind of keeps everybody going who's who likes the franchise and as mentioned we do need to record and prep a few things so stuff that's been rattling around and needed for season three that puts us on track for the first episode on june 5th so june 5th is when we're going to drop season three it's uh, And we're planning to do a Friday release schedule like we've been starting yeah. to do. We were testing a few things since we came back for the past couple of months to see what day works best. And we have found that Friday is that day. So Fridays, and that'll be when the new episodes are released bi-weekly. And we'll have some new projects and things that we'll be announcing and stuff on se- during Season 3. But Episode 1, June 5th, at World's End. And there you go. Season 3 is on the way, what's in store for it, and how we'll kind of be tackling that World's End over the next year will be announced in that first episode. Keep following and subscribing. I don't know, anything you want to add? No, thanks for everybody for listening. Exactly, we actually completed Season 2. It's amazing. So thanks for listening, Scallywags, as I always say, as I always end each show. If you like the show, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcaster of choice. If you prefer iHeartRadio, you can find us lurking around their app, so give us a follow. It helps us grow the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. Let us know what's been going on and what you think. Also, we just might play your voicemail on the show. You can give us a shout-out at podcast at blackpearlshow.com. And don't forget to give us a like on Facebook. All the links are at theblackpearlshow.com. It is that freaking easy. I say it every time. That's all you have to do. And of course, you know what we're doing here. We're delivering Pirates of the Caribbean info to the masses as the dirty, freaking, filthy bilge rats we are. We're analyzing, we're scrutinizing, and we're plundering. So until then, Scallywags, let's keep the horns swoggling. And of course, the scurvy to a minimum. So you know what's next. Get me my rum! (laughs) 
don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun, I think all you dirty, filthy bilge rats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music, that's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, maybe Heather. Yo ho ho, and a ball of a rug. Yo! This is a Shout Reach Media Production.